Good morning. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Good morning. <laughs> Thanks. That makes me feel better. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us for worship this morning. Good morning. This is our call to worship from Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Jesus, we worship you, and sometimes we doubt, yet we know all authority is yours. So you call us to go to all nations to make disciples, to continue your mission. You call us to announce your kingdom, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. You call us to baptize in your name. You are Father, you are Son, you are Holy Spirit. We will follow, we will obey, and teach all you have commanded. For you are with us always, day after day, year after year, to the very end of the age. Amen. Our hymn is number 653, Lord, You Give the Great Commission. Number 653, if you are able, please stand and join me in singing.
come forward on lesson on the steps? Well, I have one, Lila. We'll be good. Lila, you want to hold what we have today? Do you know what those are? They're acorns. They're big acorns. And I looked hard for these because in my driveway, they're little teeny tiny and they get smushed. But these are big acorns. God made this acorn just like God made you. Sometimes these turn out to be looking like this and they're sort of brownish. And sometimes they get darker or they lose their caps. <clears throat> but if they're really good and green, what happens to them? And what do they do? We forgot to bring our tree. We pulled out of the ground. They grow into a tree. Just like you're going to grow into being a young, smart, beautiful woman. But while we're doing that, we sometimes wonder what God wants us to do. Because the acorn, he's growing into a tree, he's putting down roots, he's putting out his branches. But you know you're growing too. And there's one person that helps you grow that strength every day and that's who? God. God does. And that's what God wants us to do. But in the process, God wants us to love and to care and to look at our neighbors and take care of them because he gives us branches to reach out, not just in ourselves, but to the people in the church, to your friends at school, to your family. He's giving us a reason and that's to share our faith and to share our love. And Psalm 139, verse 14, and we've talked about this one before, but I want to read it again. It says, how you made me is amazing and wonderful. I praise you for that. What you have done is wonderful, and I know that very well. So see, not just this acorn has been beautifully made for a purpose, but you've been beautifully made for a purpose too. And so every morning, we could say thank you for Lila. Give her strength to reach her branches out to whomever she comes in contact with today. And I know you, and I know you do that. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for, our, for Lila, for our children, for our families. Like an acorn, she's growing. She's putting her roots down solid and her branches are reaching out, not just to her family, but her friends, her church family, and those she come in contact with. Thank you, Lord, for making her so beautiful and so wonderfully made. It's in your son's name, amen. Once again, welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. If you are here for the first time, I would love an opportunity to meet you, get to know you a little bit better in the vestibule, um, immediately out the front or the back, depending on which way you look at that, uh, there in the um, lobby area. would love a chance to get to know you a little bit better. On behalf of our missions committee, there is a, just to bring your attention to a little uh, summary they have in your bulletin this morning of a goal that was exceeded for our North Carolina missions offering. And uh, on, on their behalf, I would like to thank you. Uh, I'll see Bob sitting down here and others who are part of that. And so I know they are uh, pleased as, as we all are that we have exceeded that goal and would encourage you to continue to give uh, if, if you have not had that opportunity to do so. 
Let's be in prayer for a few this morning that are on our minds. Roger Webb was in the hospital for a brief time this week, and uh, he is not doing well. He's at home and doesn't know exactly what's going on other than the fact that he knows that he doesn't feel well. And so uh, he is waiting on some test results after those few nights in the hospital. And so be in prayer for Roger Webb. Let's also remember Betty Bridges, who is at home uh, with cancer. And uh, she is, uh, some days are better than others, but a little bit better this week as far as her strength goes, but would very much appreciate our prayers. We continue to have many in our congregation who grieve uh, over recent losses and uh, we, or maybe some time ago, and the grief is, is very much still a part of uh, a presence in your life. And so we wanna be mindful of all those who are in our midst who are grieving this morning. And uh, we also remember each week that there are us, many of us who are in the midst of decisions uh, that we need the Lord's guidance and his presence uh, to be in the midst as we make important decisions. And uh, there are those in our midst today who will be making decisions and some this week that are very important. And so let's pray this morning for God's guidance in those areas. We continue to hurt with those that are uh, Eastern North Carolina and now those in Florida who have suffered once again a catastrophic hurricane. And so let's be mindful of all those whose lives are uh, topsy-turvy right now and a little in disarray. Uh, that God would meet them and their needs. And many of those who are serving these individuals as well, that they would uh, take time to care for the person and to care uh, for any uh, conversations, spiritual conversations that may uh, be led to as well. Uh, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. And as we pray this morning, you may have come into this place this morning with something that's weighing heavy on your heart that needs to be lifted up to the Lord. And so let's spend a moment doing that. And then I will lead us in our corporate prayer this morning. Let's pray together. God, we cry with the author of Psalms who wrote, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Lord, how we need you in our lives. Many today need you for healing. And those names that are on our prayer list, we lift up to you. We pray for Roger, we pray for Betty, and we know many others, Lord, who are struggling this morning. Lord, how we need you in ways of, to comfort in the midst of our grief. We need you in the midst of seeking guidance and direction about decisions that must be made very soon. Come alongside the young adults who are trying to figure out life and career and relationships, and Lord, may they know that they can look to you for guidance and for direction and help each one here today, from the youngest to the oldest, to each day wake up once again, acknowledging that your mercies are new every morning and acknowledging our need for your direction and guidance in our lives. We're grateful that, Lord, you're with us in the valleys and you're with us on those mountaintops as well. Father, we pray that you would meet each one today at the point of their need. God, we all come in here today, many rejoicing and others uh, deeply distressed or concerned about uh, someone or something in our world today. Lord, we do pray for uh, those who serve you both in our area churches and Lord, as we think about our missionaries, both here at home and around the world, we pray that you would provide, that you would protect and you would bless each of them with fruitful ministries. Lord, as we come together this month under the theme circles of influence, Lord, we're mindful of those who have influenced us in our faith, but help us, dear God, to be that influence in the lives of others. Those within our home, those within our neighborhood, those within our church, within our community. Lord, help us 
Teach us, show us, challenge us that we may share both with our words and our actions the love of Jesus Christ, the good news that's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we live in a world that is hurting, and oh God, how we need that good news that comes from you, a message of hope, a message of forgiveness. Lord, stir our hearts today. Bless Miles as he shares his testimony today, our choir as they sing, Alan as he shares your word with us today. Father, challenge us and convict us and lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Dear God, we love you. We commit this service to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our hymn is number 249, The Church of Christ Cannot Be Bound, number 249. If you are able, please stand and join in singing. with me please Lord it is it is good to be in your house for worship this morning uh, it strengthens us to be together worshiping you as we come to this time of offering we want to uh, thank you for the gifts that are faithfully faithfully given and pray that they would be faithfully used uh, for the upbuilding of your kingdom and right now we want to pray for our church as well uh, we pray for a change that may need to come we know that we can never just get so comfortable that we sit idly by and, and, and refuse to, to hear the things that you may want to say to us. So open our ears and open our hearts today. Uh, breathe a fresh breath of life by your spirit into us individually and collectively that we may uh, continually offer your gift of life to the world around us. Um, please also help my friends, Miles and Alan, as they share today and speak to us through them. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, men. This month, we have framed an emphasis and given it the name Circles of Influence. As we think about and challenge, we know that Jesus has called us to share our faith. And uh, there are things that um, we feel led to communicate this month and to challenge the church this month. But we framed it in a way, in a, in a series we've called Circles of Influence. And today, in just a few moments, Miles Hamrick will be sharing his testimony. And we're grateful for that. Next week, Justin Webb will be sharing his. And we look forward to that. And then the last Sunday, Elizabeth Pack. And we look forward to hearing each of these share how God has worked in their lives and how uh, they speak of those who have played that great influence in their faith. And as we think about that, I challenge and encourage each of us to think about those individuals in our lives who have uh, influenced us in tremendous ways in our faith and has led us to where we are today. And also on the flip side of that, also challenge each of us to think about who we are being that influence to in our lives as well. As we think about our coworkers, as we think about our family, our friends, those to whom we have interaction with here at church, how are we being that influence in the lives of others? Christ has called us to share of his love with our words and with our actions. And I am grateful this morning uh, to Alan and his message that he'll be sharing and for Miles and all those who will be sharing. And so uh, take those opportunities as the Lord gives you those uh, throughout the week and each, each day uh, to speak of your faith and to speak of those who have influenced you. And uh, may God, uh, I know he will when you ask, give you the words to say as you open up those conversations with others. Let's now let the Lord uh, continue to speak as uh, we join together in worship with the choir. Thank you. morning. You, 
And you don't have to respond if you don't want to. <laughs> Thank you, Ed. I appreciate you. I had a couple options for this morning when Bonnie called a couple weeks ago. She said, you can either sing with Bill or you can give your testimony. <laughs> I decided to let Jacob do that this morning. <clears throat> so, <laughs> if that's Teresa laughing back there, it ain't funny. Um, I was asked to, to speak about my pa parents and my family's role in leading me to the Lord. Um, it's, it's interesting to think about that because it's, it's a journey that uh, it's hard to put on paper and do it in five minutes or 10 minutes, but I, 25 is about where I'm gonna land on mine. <laughs> The outline that uh, was sent to me that I think is worth sharing to everyone in here as a matter of reflection about your own story. Uh, first question was, what was your life like before you came to accept Jesus as your savior? How you came to realize that you needed Jesus to save you from your sins? Who, if anyone, help to open your heart to the Lord's invitation to become his child. What difference has it made in your life since you committed yourself to Jesus uh, as Savior and Lord? Think about those things. Um, and I'm going to try to convey most of those here this morning. I'm here to speak this morning about my Christian journey and my parents' role in leading me to Jesus. And I'm also here to speak with you all about participation because if you had all completed your evangelism cards that was in the bulletin a few weeks back, I wouldn't be up here standing before you this morning. <laughs> They've got me hemmed up between two doctors, Alice Cullinan and I think Justin's got his PhD. Not yet, okay. He's a lot closer than I am. <laughs> I never knew life without involvement in church. From the time I was born, I was always at church. This is a lifestyle that I take for granted and at times shouldn't as many people weren't exposed to church at an early age and therefore never attended. And I'm fortunate to have that in my life. I have my parents to give credit for this as they made certain I was in as well as active in church. As a child, I learned about Jesus in church and at home. Anytime I would have any questions, concerns about Jesus and his role in my life, my parents were always there to provide the answers I needed. Okay, we got some pictures up here. Um, I've got, uh, man, those are two studs standing up there. <laughs> that was uh, 1987, three? I wasn't one year old sitting in that tractor wheel. But anyway, that's my parents, and I'm in the tractor wheel there in a real safe location. <laughs> I'm gonna have some other pictures of my family up here, too. 
At the age of nine, I accepted Christ into my life and was baptized by Buddy Corbin. I'm sure many of you remember Buddy. At this point in my life, my decision to accept Christ was not an extraordinary life-altering experience. This was the start of a new relationship for me and I began to grow. Around the age of 12, I became involved in youth group and my relationship with Jesus began to grow even more. Youth Bible studies on Wednesday nights brought about a new awareness of the role Jesus plays in my life. More importantly and challenging, these Bible studies made me aware of the role I was to play in the lives of others in making sure they saw Jesus in me. Trips to Fort Caswell and Oak Island each summer were really great and challenging spiritual milestones in my life as well. For those of you that have never been to Caswell, whether a youth or an adult, I challenge every one of you to go. That is a awesome place um, to experience the Lord and see the lives of young people transformed during that week. I never missed an opportunity to go to Caswell and guess who always fully endorsed this decision? My parents. As I grew older and started high school, I began to see the world for myself. This further made me aware of the need to have Jesus in my life. My parents and grandparents were key in the foundational development in my belief in Jesus Christ. I've got some pictures of my grandparents. I don't know if they're, yeah. That's my grandfather, Charles Hamrick. Some of you may remember him. He was, uh, or I was nine when he passed away, uh, but he attended church here. And uh, that was at Bowling Springs Elementary School in 1989 or something. Uh, I was preparing for a flood as I had those high waters on, <laughs> and I didn't have a belt. Uh, I just started wearing a belt a couple years ago. <laughs> and the other picture, that was my, that's my mother's mother, Marie Hokett, uh, and that was at my wife and I's wedding in 2015. Klein and Catherine had core beliefs that were not a matter of debate at the Hamrick household. These rules are centered on many teachings from the Bible and had purp purpose. A few rules included respect and honor. There was not going to be any back talking to them or anyone else. Sure, we tested it at times, but they made certain we failed. Secondly, we all had to work, and not working was not an option. Now, listening to my older siblings, they worked harder than any of any CCC crew did under Roosevelt's regime, but I did my part around the house. Talking about work, my grandmother, she was always instrumental in making sure we were going to church making sure we were doing what we were supposed to be doing, being honest and working hard. I remember times stopping by her house uh, on the way back from Raleigh when I was at NC State and she would ask me about my grades and was I working hard and was I going to church? And I'd tell her, yes, Grandma, I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm going to church at Forest Hills Baptist Church there on 
uh, or off of Hillsborough Street. And she said, what about your, your grades? Are you doing good? I said, I'm doing the best I can. College is hard. And I remember her telling me, um, she said, well, as long as you're working, that's all that matters. She said, do you remember who won the race? And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, the turtle did. She said, you don't have to beat everybody else there. You just need to finish. I've never forgotten that. And my mother, another demonstration of hard work. <clears throat> one time I thought it would be a great idea to go pick some blackberries one Friday afternoon. And um, we went down the power line here, right through the woods here. And it was early July, it was hot. And I had picked about a, a coffee can full and I was ready to quit. Well, that wasn't in mama's vocabulary. We were gonna pick a five gallon bucket or we weren't going home. And that's what we did and later she had about 35 chigger bites to show for it. <laughs> a third rule, acceptance of others despite their differences was always expected. And acceptance of ourself for who we are and that we are all children of God and we're all unique and we're all special. And let that be reflected outward with confidence. And the fourth rule, always go to church. These always brought the first three back to home. In 2000, I started my college career in Raleigh and I was on my own for the first time and I had it in my head that I was not going to follow rule number four, go to church. However, I was rather surprised because the first Sunday I decided not to attend church, I felt lost and like I had a void in my life. At that point, I had a wow moment in my life and realized that Bowling Springs Baptist Church had a purpose and a lasting impact on my life. My attending church was and is something I cherish to feed my spiritual appetite. I had someone share some scripture with me a few weeks back in a thank you note that is very applicable to my point today about a parent's role in a child's spiritual life. Proverbs 22, six, start your children off on the way they should go and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. I am now 36 and my life is much better by having Jesus in it. I can see and understand things that happen in my daily life easier because of our relationship. When things do not make sense or my vision is blurred, I have to call on Jesus to get me back to center. I'm thankful for my church family here at Bowling Springs Baptist Church, as many of you have had a lasting impact on my life. I could name names all morning of people in this church here today, they have passed on, they have had a lasting impact in my life, and I want to thank you for that. And I want to bring awareness to always remember what you do in the lives of others because you don't know how you may change their life for the better. Not a day passes by where I do not stop and give thanks for my family and what they mean to me in my life. Today, my family does not only include my parents and three brothers. My brothers have families, 
And as many of you know, I have some additions to my life as well. I became a husband three years ago and married my best friend and strongest supporter, Alyssa. Four months ago, the picture changed even further. I became a father to a handsome baby boy, Price Borders Hamrick. Days following our son's birth, my wife and I had some very emotional conversations about our new future and our role in our son's life. Our decisions centered around loving this little boy and raising him right, and Jesus was the main topic of discussion. So now it's my turn to be there to support my child so that he will know Jesus. I have had excellent role models to show me the way, and I'm grateful for that. I want to recognize my family. They don't have to stand up, but they're sitting there, my brother, his wife, my mom, my dad, brother, his four boys, and my mother-in-law and father-in-law, and my wife and my son in the back. Yeah, there's uh, she's waving. The choir can see I appreciate everyone here, especially my parents, in supporting me in my journey. I look forward to it as I know it will continue to involve and improve in the coming days and years. Always remember the lasting impact that you have in the lives of others as you live out your daily life. Thank you. Thank you, Miles. We appreciate you being willing to share with us and, and, and sharing the impact that your family and this church family has had on you. We're grateful for that. I had the opportunity to talk to Miles some this week, which is always enjoyable for a number of reasons, but particularly this week, it was, it was, it was good to, to hear a little bit of his story um, and to, to find out some of the similarities that Miles and I share in, in our stories of, of growing up and things like that. For me, very similarly to what Miles was saying, uh, I had uh, a family, parents, siblings, grandparents, who encouraged us and expected us to be involved in church and to have a relationship with Jesus. It was the model and the example that they set for me that's ultimately what formed my relationship with Christ. Uh, A lot of times we try to seek out a particular moment or a particular date where we accepted the Lord into our hearts and, and, and where we began a relationship with Christ. For me, I don't necessarily have that moment I don't necessarily have that date. Uh, The question gets asked, you know, uh, when did you come to know Jesus? For me, it's hard to remember a time where I didn't know Jesus growing up in church. I always heard the name and understood the relationship. And while I recognize that not everybody has that opportunity, I feel extremely blessed and lucky to have a family that influenced me to have that relationship with Jesus. Speaking of family, it's exciting to have Chris and Sarah and Macy Kate, my brother and his wife and my niece. Macy Kate's looking at me. Hey, Macy Kate. Uh, Macy Kate picked out my tie this morning. 
Uh, she originally picked out a Christmas tie. Uh, and while we're only 10 Fridays away from Christmas, not that anybody's counting, um, I figured that might not be appropriate yet this morning, so this was a good second option. But we're glad to have uh, them back with us this morning and, and glad that y'all are here. I uh, would encourage uh, you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, and we're going to be in the first chapter. Keith touched on this passage of Scripture last week, and I'm going to um, talk about what comes before what Keith mentioned last week with Philip and Nathaniel. And I'm going to read from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. And, and, and here's what we, what we see there. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. I think this is a beautiful picture in scripture of the importance that family can have in influencing our relationship with Christ. We see this beautiful example of Andrew being called by Jesus and the first thing that Andrew does is he goes and gets his brother. I, I wanna tell a, a quick story uh, when Mary and I uh, first got together and, and started dating, we had uh, a night on campus at Gardner-Webb where we, we were outside on a swing and we stayed up until about five in the morning, which if you know Mary is just, that's a miracle. Um, and, and so we stayed up all through the night and, and, and we talked about our futures together and we talked that night about, about getting married and, and, and what the future might hold and, and that was probably crazy at the time but it worked. Uh, so, but in that moment, it, it was such a fantastic experience. It, it was such an, an, an incredible new relationship and, and, and finding something new. And, and I, I remember that next day, I called my friends from back home. I called my family. I told everybody that I, I knew that I had found the girl that I was going to marry. Aw, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That you could really give me some bonus points with some kind of reaction there. Um, but I had good news and I had to share it with the people that meant the most to me. And that's exactly what we see here in scripture. You see, Andrew, he had good news to share and he had to share it with his brother. In the Gospel of Matthew, in the fifth chapter, verses 14 through 16, uh, this is towards the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that we are the light of the world. And he goes on to say that nobody, nobody lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. It wouldn't make any sense. It would be like if, if I had this great secret 
If I just had this wonderful secret and, and, and everybody should know about it because it's just great news. And I, I, I told Jacob Dobbins and just said, hey, here's this secret and don't tell anybody else. It's not very fair, is it? It's not very fair to have this great news, this great story and not share it with anybody. Jesus says we are the light of the world and, and nobody takes that light and hides it. If we have good news to share, we have to share it. I invite you to turn with me one more time to the Gospel of Matthew. And this is the very end of Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, and this is the, the text that is listed in your bulletin this morning. This may be a very, a very familiar passage uh, to many if you're familiar with scripture. This is the, the Great Commission. So this is after Jesus' uh, death and resurrection. And he comes back to the disciples, and this is what we find at the very end of Matthew's gospel, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. While this passage in Matthew has incredible importance and incredible significance to our Christian faith and when we think about evangelism or discipleship, this passage for me sticks out tremendously. I want to suggest something that totally reframes the way that I think about evangelism or discipleship. In the original Greek text, the command of Jesus to go could very possibly have more of a continual sense than our English translations might consider. If this is the case, perhaps a more accurate translation would be something like, as you are going, or while you are going, disciple to all the nations or all the people. I think this is an important distinction because discipleship as explained by Jesus is not something that we can go do, it's something we do always. Evangelism or discipleship is not limited to a mission trip or a specific action, but it's a way of living. Not go and do this good deed and be done with it, but rather as you live, disciple to all people. Evangelism isn't something that we do, it's something we live. True discipleship involves community and relationship, not bringing people to Christ and leaving them to figure it out. In many conversations that I've had uh, with many people in the last few weeks and months about evangelism, this question always seems to come up. What is evangelism? How do we define it? 
You see, I'm not, I'm not sure that it's that simple. See, I think when we try to put a clear-cut definition on evangelism, it boxes the idea in to be about doing certain things in order to accomplish a goal. I think the idea that many have had about evangelism for decades is that we as Christians are expected to do A, B, and C, and then we get results, whatever that may mean. I think discipleship, to use that term interchangeably, is more complex and beautiful than concrete answers and measured results. Evangelism is not something we do, it's something we live. Discipleship looks different for all people. In my experience, there's, there's no formulaic prayer, there's no cube, there's no pamphlet, there's not even a sermon that works for every person. Discipleship is about building authentic relationships with our family, our neighbors, and even our enemies. I'll close this morning with this story. There was a pastor who gave a message on evangelism and one family that was in the church thought that, um, that you know, they, they needed to do a little bit better in, in witnessing ab- about Jesus. And so what this family decided to do is that they decided to invite their next door neighbors to eat dinner with them the next night. Uh, and when it came time for the meal, uh, they wanted to, to prove to their neighbors that they were, you know, a good, godly, religious family that takes this thing seriously. And so they asked their little five-year-old boy, Johnny, to say grace. And Johnny, very uh, puzzled, looked at his parents and he said, I don't, I don't really know what I'm supposed to say. And so the mom looks at Johnny and she says, well, Johnny, just, just say what dad said at, at breakfast this morning. So Johnny closes his eyes and he puts his hands together and he he bows his head and he says, oh God, why do we have to invite these bad people to dinner tonight? (laughs) Discipleship is a delicate outreach effort that Jesus calls us to take part in. There are bad ways to disciple And there are good ways to disciple. If we want to be effective as followers of Jesus in the realm of evangelism, we can't think of evangelism as something we do, but rather the way that we live and the way that we love our neighbors. Would you join me in prayer? Oh God, we are grateful for a morning of worship, of time where we get to sing our praises and tell of the good things that you do for each of us. For those of us this morning who feel lost or hurt, may others of us be examples of love and grace. God, I pray that your presence be in the midst of our lives. 
that as we go, may we share of the good things that you do for each of us. Help us to be effective disciples who make disciples in your name. Lord, we are grateful for this time this morning. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. This morning as we close, we will have a time of invitation where we will sing. Uh, If you are interested in church membership, if you are um, looking for prayer, if you just want to talk to someone, uh, Pastor Keith will be here down front and you are invited to to come um, and, and we would love to talk with you more about whatever is going on. We are glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, Join as we sing hymn number 482.